Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. Saturday, all right, we just ventured past the May long weekend. So I think it's time to grow. Let's go. It's time to get into the gardens. And a little bit of a hint for me here is at the garden center is when I start to see things happening with the flowers. And there was one that really stood out this week is the hummingbirds. They were finding us. And yes, in the garden center, the windows are open. We open the roofs and in comes nature. Nature is part of our gardens. It was kind of nice to watch them flitting from one flower to the other. And as people came by, they too enjoyed the little movement of the little hummingbird. So, of course, today's feature, I had to find it, a poem about the hummingbird. The hummingbird, the hummingbird, so fairy-like and bright, it lives amongst the Sunny flowers, a creature of delight, in the radiant islands of the east, where fragrant spices grow, a thousand thousand humming birds go glancing to and fro. Like living fires they flit about, scarce larger lit than a bee, among the broad palmetto leaves and through the fan palm tree, and in those wild and verdant woods where stately mosses tower, where hangs the branching tree to tree, the scarlet passion flower, where on the mighty river banks La Plate and La Amazon, the Cayman like the old tree trunk lies basking in the sun. There builds her nest the hummingbird with ancient wood, her nest of silky cotton down, and rears her tiny brood. She hangs it to a slender twig, where waves it light and free, as the caponero tolls his songs, and rocks the mighty tree, all crimson in her shiny breast, like to red and rose and red. Her wing is changeful green and blue, that neck of peacock shows. Thou happy, happy hummingbird, no winter round the hours, Thou never sauce of leafless tree, nor land without sweet flowers. A rain of summer joyfulness to thee for life is given. Thy food, thy honey from the flower, thy drink, the dew from heaven. Welcome back, everyone. It is gardening time. It is go time. Usually we like to say that, uh, you know, we are Manitoba. There's always a little risk of that nasty word, the frost that's in there. But as we are starting to garden and grow into a warm ground, there are measures we can take to protect those. Yes, if it comes, and I'm not saying it's coming, I'm just saying if we get advanced, there's always those little sheets and towels that can come out. So it's nice to be able to plant early and get things in the ground for the little bit more advanced that's in there. Now, I started talking about hummingbirds because, yes, They have been visiting into the garden center. We are packed full of plants and some plants a little favorable for them to love. Have you ever planted for a certain reason? 
Have you ever planted to attract the butterflies and the bees? Or maybe attracting for hummingbirds? It's one of those things that if I'm planting in my garden, we know that nature is part of it. And part of that nature is the rabbit. Yep, that rascally rabbit. We have enough comments on those rabbits. It is also the bees. It's also the birds. It's also the insects, good and bad. It's a shared space that we deal with it. But the positive side of it is the beauty of bringing in some of those, uh, I guess, guests to our garden. And it was a magical thing to watch this wee hummingbird flap its wings. I think if you can say flap, it's the vibration of those wings that just go. It amazes me the speed of which it can actually go. So a few of the flowers, if you have them in your garden, may I maybe mention a few that if you want to attract the hummingbirds that are in there. A few of them are, there's uh, Monarda, it brings me to one. It's a very long blooming perennial. It's beautiful. It's got a lightly scent to it. And in sort of the color tones, there is a white Monarda out there that's been very favorable in the last little bits because it's striking. And if I do make a note that white flowers at night have a iridescence to them that kind of shine back which is really pretty think of a moon garden so the monarda in whites if it's your preference otherwise you're going to get pinks reds and lavenders that's in there maybe phlox is one of the ones that you're looking for in lilacs pinks salmon white these tall flowers will go in through it and some of them, if you may look through it, you may want to partner up and do maybe, there's a, a one variety called David that maybe will be good with your white Monarda to create that moon garden effect that's on it. If you're looking for something that's delicate, that has a really unusual kind of twist to their character of the blossoms that have these, some of them, sometimes dangling, nodding heads that's on it. Some people know it as columbine. And if you look at the Latin terminology, it's aquilegia. They have this beautiful color tone. And if you've never seen them before, visit your garden center, ask them for columbine or aquilegia. And it's one flower that has a very different type of structure with the spurs on the back side of it. And you can get some of them that are just absolutely stunning. I love doing a little bit of photography on some of them. I'm not the best, but I like to take my pictures on my flowers. So in color tones of yellows to reds to pinks to whites, purple to lavender, so many different combinations. And you may have heard me mention that the column or the lupins too. Yeah, you've heard my story about the lupins. I cannot grow it, but they are loved by the hummingbirds. And of course, two favorites for cottage gardens or very English garden type styles go and venture and look at the delphinium varieties the delphiniums nowadays are bred to be a little bit more resistance look for ones in the millennium series that's out there but these tall spires of beautiful delphiniums reach to the sky some going up to six feet tall they will tower over me in blues whites dark purples and pinks and of course, if you want to partner, it's something that's very old and sort of romantic that's in there is the hollyhocks. Now we're talking about a lot of the annual ones that are out there. And even when you're partnering, you may sister some plants in the annual department as we've been talking about some of the perennial ones. Like uh, one that comes to mind is your salvias and your veronicas. 
they are so beautiful. And if you've ever uh, brushed your hands against some of the salvias and some of, uh, especially the salvias, they're this sage family. They have that spicy scent to it. So not only are we giving the luxury of some nectar to the hummingbirds, we're also taking the advantage of maybe gently brushing by the salvias and sages and getting a little bit of that spicy undertone that's in our gardens. So look for salvias and you will probably get more of the salvia color tones in the blues, the lavenders, and some of the white tones in your perennial sections. There is also reminiscent of the annual type varieties. I remember uh, picking some of the salvias when we were uh, younger, pulling out the centered sort of the tongues of it and pulling on the hot red varieties that mom and dad used to put in the garden. But you'll get salvia victoria blue, a beautiful sky blue color tone. And the one thing that's really nice about the salvia victoria blue, I know I'm going on a little bit longer before this break, is that it is one plant that will give you an extension from spring, summer to frost. So you're looking for different types of plants. And before we take a break, there's one true favorite that is out there. You've probably heard me mention the Hot Lips uh, annual type salvia. But then again, we have one that is absolutely stunning. It is called salvia black and blue. We are into gardening season. My hands are sort of tickling here trying to think about what I'm going to plant. Yes, I myself is kind of like the shoemaker's son. I haven't been able to get into my own garden, but I enjoy seeing everyone as they go through looking at their carts to just imagine the creativity, the color palettes that are out there. And I truly must say, when everyone comes by, it all looks so beautiful. And sometimes you just envision what people are creating with the colors and the choices that they do. It is all beautiful. It is, because if you choose it and you love it, you plant it, you care for it, and later on you look at it and go, I did a great job. That's what it's all about, is creating something that's beautiful that you can enjoy in your gardens. And one of those plants could be creating a a hummingbird garden. Who knows? You may venture into creating and finding one of those little plants that will bring it to you. And it is such a joyful thing to bring, especially if you have younger children or grandchildren, introducing those characteristics to the garden is something that's very important too as well. And I did say that I was going to mention one of the plants to you. Salvia hotlips is a striking hot white and red plant that's on it. But one of the other ones that's truly standing out. And one of the things that kind of partners with it, and I guess maybe one of the things that sort of gave me a little of of a pop, I call it the aha moment. When you see people coming in and going, Do you have black petunias? Yes, we have the black and gold double. We've had that one for a bit. And yes, we've carried black petunias that's on there. But there's a partnership. If I want a petunia that's very quite low based, how do I partner with that? How do I bring in that intensity of that dark blackness and bring in a color tone that will help to soften it? And the black looks like black velvet is such a deep purple you are drawn into the color tone. Now, if you're looking for it, look for salvia black and blue. It is such a strong electric blue with this black stemming that comes through it. And again, it's in the salvia department that's, or salvia 
category that it has that fragrant foliage and what's dramatic about it it goes a little bit taller it has these tall spires that kind of have this relaxed effect on these tall stemming so can you see it can you envision the dark petunias black underneath with these tall purple spires with the matching black sort of tongues that are coming out of these plants very very striking just giving you a few ideas that's what we're all about sharing ideas and going through the different stuff now when we say that we want to educate the kids and show them show them the hummingbirds and I kind of giggle because as I remember years back uh, you know I've mentioned my granddaughters before where before yes we'd be digging and Ruby would find something she'd love to hold it now she's got a little bit of a girly twist to her you see the bug and she's like "Uh uh-uh where now Violet is growing a little older you dig out that worm and what is she trying to do grab the end of that worm and trying to pull it out of the ground so you kind of give yourself a little bit of a giggle the adventure now is to get Oscar yes Oscar in the garden so he frequently comes to the garden center walks amongst the flowers and it's teaching the young gardeners which is hopeful educating and getting them interest in growing because it's the plants of our world that are going to help us all right I've been talking enough I want to hear from you are you listening the lines are quiet so I'm gonna give you a little knock are you there the lines are open 1-800-374-3315 are you planting what are you planting I'd like to hear from you and even what colors are you choosing this year the simplicity of growing things is there but let's talk about color what are you planning on doing all right let's go right to line Katerina is on line good morning good morning uh, as far as uh, planting what colors I'm going with white this year Oh, lots and lots of white. And and some yellow. I was actually thinking of doing white too as well. And one of the other girls that is uh, works with me here, I'm like, I think I'm totally into white this year because it's such that beautiful. You know what? There's white is so pretty, and it reminds me of when I used to go to my husband's uh, aunt and uncle's uh, cottage. They used to ask us to put uh, paint some of the rocks down by the walkway white all the time and then slowly I started throwing Shasta daisies uh, Shasta daisy seeds when I ventured in there and at night it lights the pathway <laughs> so yeah it, that's yeah. right yeah and go it ahead. goes so well with any other things that you have in the garden right it does like it's yeah oh so, so which selections of white flowers are you planting um well I'm doing petunias yeah. um I'm doing uh, bacopas in my pots. Um, let's see. I've got my Shasta daisies that are just... I have two kinds of Shasta daisies. I didn't know that they came in pairs but or different kinds, but I truly have two different Shasta daisies that I bought, and they're completely different plants, and yet whatever. Anyway, so they're both white, and um, yeah, and then let's see what else do I have out there. The yellow is the marigolds. I've chosen marigolds for my yellows, and also some white marigolds. Oh, beautiful, so, beautiful. Yeah. You know what? There's and also, then, if you if you go into vertical gardening, if you have any, any other space for vertical gardening, there is a morning glory type of flower that's out there that is uh, 
called a moon vine. So you might go and look for that too as well. Oh, a moon vine. And that's yeah. white as well? It's oh, white. Okay. It climbs like a morning glory. And the right. other one that's really kind of pretty, um, it is, it's called Lophospermum. It's a trumpeted large flower. It's like three and a half inches long. Hummingbirds will love it. And it wow. is a very vigorous grower, but it has beautiful white uh, trumpet-type flowers. And what was that then called? Lophosperma. Lophosperma. Okay. Lofo. I'll, yeah. I'll take a look at that. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Okay, enjoy the garden. Yeah, just one thing, my question. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> That's why That's we're here. My, <laughs> uh, my question is, um, I have a, a Evans cherry, and I love the cherries, but it suckers everywhere. And um, it's suckering, like meters away in my yard as well as my neighbor's yard and into my garden how do i keep it from suckering oh it's just cutting it out it's very hard because the roots are going to go underneath the portion of it so to prevent the suckering uh, i know sometimes you're just going to have to cut them out it's like the sugar choke cherries that i used to have it would sucker out that's in there um sometimes yeah. too I know that um, to prevent it from suckering closer, it kind of makes that deferral that it goes further out. Sometimes there were uh, rubber mats that you could put around the outer ring of a tree to prevent the suckers from coming up directly around it. But I found right. that I found that it would just go further and come up somewhere else. So yeah, that's what's been happening. Yeah, but as soon as you see them. Yeah. Pull them, uh, pull, as soon as you see them, and I find that even when they're a little bit softer before they harden off, sometimes yeah. I can pull. Sometimes you can give them a little bit of a tug to pull them back. Say, "Uh, uh-uh, you're not going this far. I'm going to pull you back a little bit, and then do a little pruning." Okay, so can I go right down to the root and cut it, like dig into this by the root and cut it off there? Is you it going to hurt it? No, what you're going to do is if you can pull back a little bit of the soil and find that root a little bit deeper into the soil, that's not going to hurt it. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. Good. All right. Thank you. You're All very right. welcome. Okay. Enjoy Have your day. Have a good time. You too. Yep. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. It's interesting, isn't it? Like even with the white flowers that are out there, there is some different types of color tones that you can go in partnering even with the yellow that's in there is going to bring that little bit of a contrast that's in there. Even, I, I'm i going to say it, red and white. Come on, we're Canadian. We can do the red and white thing. And if you're American, red, white, and blue if you're listening, if you're from the States. So you can play on colors. You can play on patterns. And we were even uh, one of the... Uh, I was going to say one of the resorts that's in the White Shell here area actually came in and we helped them display and make their whole word of their lodge in color tones. So when you take the boat up to this lodge, wow, you are going to see this name all exploding in color. It's beautiful, right? Flowers are here for a short time and we want to be able to create something that just gives it a pop. And the pop is... Yes, color. Sometimes the pop too, and I should remember, uh, mention this because sometimes the pop may appear in not just the blooms. It just gets me thinking that why am I encouraging? Yes, I love to encourage flowers. I'm a flower girl. But sometimes there's a pop of foliage in our containers or in our gardens 
that is applied with the application of using different foliage. And foliage is leafy matter, okay? Things that grow leafy. And if you haven't found them, there's probably two here. Let me just think here because there's uh, a couple that you've probably seen in different applications. One of them is the Ipomea. Ipomea is potato, vine, and some of them in the old-fashioned or the older varieties were Ipomea marguerite, which was a trailing, almost spade-like shape leaf. It was very dramatic, and it took off. If it's for large sites or large creeping gardens, it will go... Uh, sort of flowing across the garden or if it's in a container you want to make sure it's a very large container because it will flow over the pot and go down chartreuse lime green beautiful but it's got some beefiness to it so you want to sort of coordinate which size a pot which volume you want this to fill in now one of the other ones that is very trendy here we have a, we have actually got standalone hanging baskets of them and they are beautiful for some pop of color. You walk into the garden center and your eye goes, whoop, what's that? And it's filling a basket with actually a perennial. And the perennial is a ground cover. The perennial comes in green, but we favor and put them into that chartreuse Goldilocks color. It's creeping Jenny in a basket. You're going to go, why are you putting creeping Jenny in a basket? Have you ever seen it in a basket? It's beautiful. It hits the sides of the pot, and if you have a narrow space, that narrow space can be enveloped by putting it into a hanging basket. And rather than the hanging basket going outward and doubling the size of the basket, the creeping jenny will gently get to the edge of the pot and dramatically go straight downwards. Slightly pinching of it makes it thicker, and it likes to be moist or it can go slightly dry which makes it even more favorable. If it's given the opportune where you're fertilizing it and you're giving it the proper moisture, you are going to be blessed with the little yellow flowers all the way down. Each tendril of branching is going to have a mimicked little yellow flower all the way down. Can you see the dramatic effect that that could be? Straight downwards that's on there? Beautiful. Now, if yellow and golden is not your color, that you like because some people go I don't like yellow maybe it's the dramatic effect of the silver grayish tones which does look kind of cool so you can look in for the dichondria family in which yes they come green but the one that I super love is dichondria silver falls it has these grouping effect small clustering of branching that keep going and going it's so reminiscent of under the sea. We have them in hanging baskets, and it reminds me of all the sort of the tendrils from under the sea that are going in through it. It looks quite attractive. And I must say, if Katarina is listening, the grays and the smoky grays and that frosty gray like Dusty Miller and Dichondria Sower Falls pairs beautifully with a moon garden. And yes... Your moon garden is your white garden. Now, here's a thought. Did you want to create a moon garden? Do you have a larger space in your yard? Because here, there's so much to tell you. Sorry, I'm going off. I'm going sideways with this one. The architectural sort of landscape effect that you have. If you have a larger space in your yard, I'm going to ask you a question. 
do you create different rooms in different locations of your yard to get that different type of feeling? In the hot areas of your yard, are you dramatic reds and yellows? And maybe there's a soft swing in a corner of the yard where you want to take a break. You want to be relaxing. You want to have that soothing effect. So maybe that corner of the garden has a little bit of a canopy of trees above you that you want to create a softer effect with whites, soft grays, maybe some blues. Can you envision the effect of sort of the softness of dappled light with white flowers, Dusty Miller, and maybe some dramatic blue hostas like Blue Cadet or Halcyon that give you that pop, that coolness effect that's on there because the heat of summer is coming and you may want to have some of those softer areas to relax in, right? I'm excited for summer. I'm excited to get gardening myself. And as I walk into the garden centers, I venture through every department. I'm like, yeah, that is pretty. That looks good. That's pretty. That's good. I hope you are having fun. Get out to your garden center that you like. Take a little, uh, maybe a cool Java with you and walk through and see what there is. Now, there are a couple things that we want to mention because we're targeting certain things that are happening right now. And I don't know what to say, but have you seen the apple trees? The apple trees are in bloom. And when they are in bloom, yes, they're pairing right now. They are setting the precedence for your moon garden because a lot of the apple blossoms are white right now. And some of them are just gorgeous, just gorgeous. Now, this is a call to action. And I think I spoke about it before is we want to make sure that when you're harvesting and you're getting your apples growing, it is important to make sure that we take measures of steps so that when you're able to harvest your crop of apples, that they are pristine, that they are clean, that you are going to be cutting into that apple and it is going to be deliciously white on the inside. Okay. Where I'm going with this is sometimes you get it through and mom has occasionally cut into an apple. Good morning, mom. And you see the brown trails that go through an apple. Well, those little things are called the apple maggot. And it is probably the most despondent little destructive guy that you think in your apples when you have this glorious feeling that you're going to go to your apple, cut into it, and get these fleshy white fruits happening. Now, we want to take the measures. So when when I said you're going to go out to your favorite haunt place of garden center, go and see and ask and see if they have any apple maggot traps. It's kind of the best little thing to attract the lure to get rid of these guys, okay? The apple maggots, they feed on your apples. They feed on crab apples and your cherries and your plums. And if you're lucky to have pears out there, they'll be here. So it works on all three measures of going through it. Now, basically, your apple maggot is going to be coming out of the ground pretty soon. It usually is around mid-June just as the fruit is about to start forming. And what happens? Your flower first, then as the flower petals start to fall, guess what happens? It's already the beginning of that little sort of attachment that the fruit is going to develop. That's the life cycle. Okay? So what we want to do is we want to prevent the the apple maggots from flying in and getting into those. 
the female will come up, she'll lay her eggs on those developing fruits, right? She sort of injects her eggs in there of the apple, and that's when the larvae will eat through, and eventually they'll come out of the apple, but they leave their trails. We want to avoid that. So if you take your apple magnet traps, there's little uh, sticky ball, like sticky red orbs that are on there that you put your, if you have tanglefoot or pasting, most of the units will come with a little bit of a paste that's on it that you can apply it. Now you want to hang these into your tree. Okay. You don't want to shove them way at the top of the tree because they're coming up from the ground and they want to be attracted to these first. All right. So you want to be able to be under that sort of I would go probably halfway up or close to the bottom. Most of them come with three traps inside of the box. So do a random sizing of it. And with the little lure, you have to have the lure. And if you've used the lure last year, you don't have it this year, most of the places will have their replacement lures. It's an attractive apple scent that causes that maggot to fl- the fly to go to that. It's going to get stuck on there and you're going to reduce the percentages of damages done to it. Now, you're going to say, well, if the blossoms fall off and my the sticky ball gets coated up with blossoms, how much more can I put on there? Just go out, reapply the paste. Trust me, a little bit of work will go a long way. You will love your apples more. Now, if you've got early drop on some of your uh, apples, and if you're cutting open, if you have that early droppage, sometimes the apple maggot trap will cause that to fall down from it. All right? So take a look like that. All right? Anyway, um, I just got a message. The lady, I'm going to read it because I'm trying to be on the phone. A lady by the name of Tina from Winnipeg wants your rhubarb slash recipe. Ah, we're going to have to find it because there was a lady that had the rhubarb recipe. Maybe the lady who called it uh, had the recipe. Maybe we can get her to call back in because we would love it. That would be so good to be able to have those recipes and share them. So if you have that, if the lady is, uh, I don't have it written down, but if somebody is listening that knows the lady that had that slush recipe, give us a shout. You can actually phone the, uh, the line and the girls that are uh, taking the messages here for us will actually write it and maybe we'll post it on our on the Lawn and Garden Journal website. I think that would be cool. You should start a little storyboard, right? Get it going here. Now, Tanglefoot is great for doing that. Thank you, thank you, Emily, for sending me that little message. That's a good little shout out for having. Now, that is one thing that's out there. The other thing too is what we want to do is if you have apples that are dropping to the ground, crop management, keep your crops clean. Pick up those apples. Don't let the apples rot on the ground. It was always something that was uh, makes me kind of giggle. As mom and dad would be having coffee, they'd be shouting, oh, there's an apple in the ground, and out they go, cleaning up the apple. It gives you that good management that's out there. Now, a few other things that are happening, and there's so much to talk about because even driving around, you see what's happening too, right? We talked about white. And now we're going to talk a little bit about yellow. Do you see them? They're growing. They're everywhere. Do you know what I'm talking about? The dandelion. Yes, it is the flower of the season that is emerging and coming aboard and filling up the color of yellow. 
So if it's that, you could be out there, you could be hand digging. I remember going through and taking a little bit of the old bread knife and going out and picking them. And yes, a little bit of that rain that has emerged, it's there and it's making our grasses green up and it's also making some of those dandelions come to life. There's a couple things that you can do. Uh, There are some products that are out there. Uh, There is an acidic-based uh, Roundup that is basic, uh, basically vinegar based or there's other items that you can do that are actually iron based that will help to eliminate them. They <clears throat> eradicate the tops of them but you will we'll have to do a reapplication that's on it because they will grow back again. But stay true and stay diligent by keeping them. So choose products that maybe will have your uh, ammonium fatty acids that are in there or maybe the vinegar ready to use items are your go-to for getting it done. Who knows? But frequently tilling your gardens too, and this is a little bit of a shout out too, if you have gardens growing and you start to see the emergence of some of those weeds, frequently hoeing your garden or getting out the garden rake and tossing the top soil of your gardens will help to eliminate plants from taking hold and going deeper. Cultivating around it keeps the dirt clean and tidy that's on it and easy to pick up some of those ones that may have gotten a little bigger on you. Put on the garden gloves, pick it up and out it goes, keeping things neat and tidy as we go. But there's also the reminder and it kind of gives me a little bit of a giggle that some people say, I have things growing and seedlings and I don't remember planting them there. Sometimes we get droppings from above if you know what I mean. Birds will bring us little droppings because they'll eat the seeds and drop them. So you may get plants that just emerge. Or in my case, some of my beds that I have not been able to get to as I walk around and take a look and assess before I leave here for early in the morning. I'm lucky to say that I have a few pansies that have self-seeded and lo and behold, a few petunias. So if you know the characteristics of some of those seedlings, you may have the benefits and the yahoo, I got some new seedlings coming up. And I must say, my chives have gone everywhere. I have chives in areas of some of my gardens, so I've been out there picking and harvesting and chopping a few of them up, putting them into some of my salads early to remove them, but use them and trying to contain it. So what are you doing this weekend in your garden? Are you going to get out there? Start planting, start planning, or maybe plant a tree. Thank you for listening, everyone, to the Lawn and Garden Journal. I hope you have a great gardening weekend. And just remember, after all your hard work, sit back, relax, have a glass of lemonade, and enjoy the day. Bye-bye, everyone. We'll be back next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal.